blessing. I, I don't ever get tired of that, uh, that message and of that song. That uh, just such a, a message glorifies, glorifies the Lord. And uh, that's what I want us to do is always to glorify the Lord with our music, with our uh, church, with everything that we do. Wanted to honor and glorify the Lord. So guys, thank you. Thank you for working and practicing and preparing and uh, just putting that together. And I, I enjoy, enjoyed that, uh, that song, that message. Mark chapter 16. If you're able and would like to stand with us as we read the first portion of the Word of God. And um, you are familiar with the resurrection. We've preached a lot of, um, lot of times here now concerning the resurrection. We dealt with the cross and now we've come to the resurrection, Mark chapter 16. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, had bought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came into the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. And he said unto them, Be not affrighted, you seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. These are some of the most glorious words in all the Bible. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. I want you to, to see this thought here in verse number 7. It reads, but go your way, tell his disciples. But I want you to see this little statement here and Peter. Okay, tell his disciples and Peter. That he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him as he said unto you. And I see in that that little statement, go tell his disciples, but, but Peter, Peter signaled out here. I see Christ's forgiving love in that. We've already dealt with Peter, we've dealt with his failure, we'll kind of review some of that tonight, but those, those two words right there, go tell his disciples and Peter, those are powerful words as you understand this context here, that the Lord Jesus Christ specifies Peter. And I think there's a great reason for it, and it ministers to my heart as I see what the Lord did in that statement. If you'll join me, let's go to the Lord in, in prayer this evening. Father, we thank you uh, for this evening. Thank you. Uh, just as we have been encouraged through the singing uh, as a congregation, and Lord, just uh, how we have been challenged tonight uh, to uh, go and tell Jesus, tell it to Jesus, and uh, I must tell Jesus, and uh, Lord, that uh, you are, are so gracious, and I need thee every hour, and uh, Lord, that is so true. And, and then we've been challenged here in song to bow the knee, and Lord, you're worthy that uh, we would do that and come before you uh, here this evening. And I pray that uh, here tonight as we look at this very important scripture and, and uh, this thought of, uh, of your redeeming love and Lord, your sanctifying love, and Lord, not only uh, hear how Peter failed, but how you never let go. And God, I pray that, uh, that you would teach us tonight. Maybe there's somebody here tonight uh, that brings into this service just a load and a burden of guilt or a burden of shame, or uh, maybe in some capacity uh, failed you here. Uh, 
uh, recently, and Lord has just wondered, do you still love them? Do you still care? Use this tonight uh, to give this challenge, we pray, and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated this evening, and, and we uh, uh, just have recorded here for us the, the, the marvelous story, the account of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the, uh, the first resurrection morning. Uh, we read here in the scripture that Mary Magdalene married the mother of James and Salome. They came early before daylight uh, to the sepulcher with spices they had just purchased to anoint the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, arriving at the sepulcher, they found the stone rolled away and of course the tomb was empty. Entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right hand or the right side clothed in a long white garment. And we know this is an angel. It's kind of interesting in the Gospel of Mark. There's the mention of only one angel. We know on other accounts that there are two angels. And of course, I think kind of like the time of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, when heaven was opened, there was a multitude of angels that were praising the Lord Jesus Christ. But they see on this occasion an angel. And I want you to notice the message here of this angel in verse number 6, some of the most glorious words in the Bible. He saith unto them, Be not affrighted, you seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen, he is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. And uh, as they uh, looked there into that empty tomb, there would have been the linen uh, garment uh, that he had been wrapped in, and that would have been set aside along with the napkin, and we know more about that from the Gospel of John as uh, Peter and John arrived there at the sepulcher, and it was John that uh, looked into the sepulcher, and the Bible says that seeing it was empty and seeing that linen cloth and seeing that napkin, uh, he believed, and uh, his eyes were opened, and he knew uh, of the resurrection at that moment. But there's a special message here in verse number 7. These women are exhorted by the angel, Go your way, tell his disciples and Peter, that he goeth before you into Galilee, there shall you see him as he said unto you. Now God sends this very special message directly to Peter. It's not just any message, but it's a very needful message. We've already talked about this, but tradition tells us that Mark's gospel is likely Peter's gospel through Mark. In other words, Mark spent a lot of time with the apostle Peter, and Mark was the nephew of Barnabas, the son of Barnabas' sister. And so we know that biblically Mark spent some time there with Peter, and a very significant time, and Peter, through tradition, we're told, told the details of this gospel of Mark, And so I think it's very interesting here. Mark is the only one of the Gospels that gives that little statement there, go tell Peter. Uh, all of the other Gospels, it's mentioned to go and tell the disciples. But here, Peter is included in this. Tell his disciples and Peter. And I think that's very significant. And as I thought on that, oh, the Lord just encouraged my own heart. Now, let's go back just a bit and recall the last time that we saw Peter. And the last time we saw Peter here in the Gospel of Mark and the other Gospels, Peter was miserably failing. So let's go back to some of those events. Now, we preached on the failure of Peter previously, but I, I want to just add some details here tonight, but then look at this very significant message that Jesus sends uh, to Peter. Go back to Mark chapter 14 
if you would, and verse number 27. And let's read through some of the scriptures and just follow uh, the life of Peter and what happened here toward the end as we come to the crucifixion. In Mark chapter 14, beginning at verse number 27, and it reads, And Jesus saith unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. But after that I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. But Peter said unto him, Although all shall be offended, yet will not I. And Jesus saith unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this day, even in this night, before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. But he spake the more vehemently, If I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. Likewise said they all. And so here is, is Peter. And Peter is boldly standing up to the Lord and saying, Lord, I, I will never deny you. I will never uh, go away from you. And Peter did not know the weakness and the frailty of his own heart. And, and uh, here Peter, just in pride, really, is saying, Lord, I'm, I'm not going to go away. I'm willing to die with you. I would never, ever deny you. That's the heart that is coming out of Peter. And as we preach through that section of Scripture, very clear uh, that Peter did not know his own heart. And can I say to us each and every one tonight, except for the grace of God, there go I. And every one of us have the capability of falling into great depths of sin. And uh, there's no end to what any one of us can do or what any one of us might fall into. And uh, we're daily dependent upon the marvelous grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and the Lord's grace is always sufficient for us in every detail. Now, the Lord could see the pride and the weakness of Peter. And the Gospel of Luke adds a couple of details to this. In Luke chapter 22, verses 31 through 34. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan had desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. And here the Lord just expressed to Peter, Peter, Satan is going to try you, he's going to test you, he's going to sift you, but I prayed for you. And what an encouragement that the Lord ever lives to make intercession for his saints. I'm so encouraged and thankful that my Lord is constantly praying for me and the Lord looks down upon us. He knows our frailty and our weakness and just as he prayed for Peter, he prays for you and I. Now we go on to Mark chapter 14 on this same night as the Lord has given warning to Peter. Look in verse number 32. And they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit ye here while I pray. And he taketh with him Peter, and James and John began to be very sore, uh, to be sore amazed and to be very heavy. And so Peter here is called on by the Lord. And as you read on through this, the Lord is expressing to Peter and to these disciples, Watch ye and pray with me, lest ye enter into temptation. He says, Watch ye with me. Let's go ahead and read it. Verse 34, And he said unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. And he went forward a little and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will but what thou wilt. And he cometh and findeth them sleeping, and saith unto Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Couldst not thou watch one hour? Here at the greatest need of the Lord Jesus Christ, Peter has this opportunity to continue and to pray for his Lord. 
And so could you not watch with me one hour? Then this statement, watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. This is the warning that Peter is receiving from the Lord. And he again went away and prayed and spake the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. Neither wist they what to answer him. And he cometh the third time and saith unto them, Sleep on now, take your rest. It is enough. The hour is come. Behold, the Son of Man is betrayed to the hands of sinners. And so three times Peter is given the opportunity to pray. Uh, three times uh, Peter has failed. Uh, three times Peter is found sleeping. And so then we follow on through this account. And that night uh, Jesus is betrayed. He's arrested. And go to Mark chapter 14 and verse number 46. And they laid their hands on him and took him. This is Jesus and the soldiers laying hands on him. And one of them that stood by drew a sword and smote a servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Now the Gospel of John chapter 18 tells us this was Peter. In verses 10 and 11 of that chapter, Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest's servant, cut off his right ear. And the servant's name was Malchus. And I've always thought about that, just that testimony. We know that the Lord took that ear and he put that ear back on. And what a miracle uh, that the Lord worked right before them and how blinded they are uh, here to the Lord Jesus Christ. But this is Peter that boldly pulled the sword. He's going to stand up for Jesus. And uh, then said Jesus to Peter, Put up thy sword into the sheath. Um, uh, he said, The cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? See, Peter had failed in prayer, and there's just a principle here that this was a spiritual war. And you fight spiritual war with spiritual weapons. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. But here's Peter because he had failed spiritually in prayer. Now he's failing and trying to fight the work of God in his flesh. Now next we find Peter forsaking the Lord and following afar. Look in verse number 50. It says, And they all forsook him and fled. And then we go to verse number 54. And Peter followed him afar off, even into the palace of the high priest. And he sat with the servants and warmed himself with the fire. Uh, we see Peter then flatly denying in the next instance that he even knew the Lord Jesus Christ or that he was even one of the disciples. You read in this account that Peter lied, uh, he cursed, he disowned Jesus. Go to verse number 66. And it says, And as Peter was beneath in the palace, there cometh one of the maids of the high priest. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked upon him and said, Art thou also, or, uh, and thou also was with Jesus of Nazareth? But he denied, saying, I know not, neither understand I what thou sayest. And he went out into the porch, and the cock crew. And a maid saw him again, and began to say to them that stood by, This is one of them. And he denied it again. And a little after, they that stood by said unto Peter, or said again to Peter, Surely thou art one of them, for thou art a Galilean, and thy speech agreeeth thereto. But he began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not this man of whom you speak. And the second time the cock crew. And Peter called to mind the word that Jesus said unto him before the cock crow twice. Thou shalt deny me thrice. And when he thought thereon, he wept. Now here is the last time that we come to the life of Peter before our statement, go tell Peter. 
See, that's where we left him. Peter now has sunk into the depths of sin. And he went out, he wept bitterly, he's filled with remorse. The Gospel of Luke adds to this in chapter 22, verses 61 and 62. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him before the cock crow, Thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. And so we leave Peter filled with shame, filled with remorse, filled with guilt, uh, having uh, failed his Lord miserably. And now he's broken, he's weeping, he's going out weeping bitterly. Uh, the last he sees of Jesus before the cross would have been that look uh, there after Peter has denied the Lord Jesus Christ. And I just wonder in my heart if this thought doesn't go before Peter, could it ever be made right? Can I ever be restored to my Lord? How miserable those next days must have been for Peter. I can't even fathom the depths of discouragement and guilt and shame that Peter fell into, confusion that reigned in his heart. So we go from that, that look of the Lord Jesus Christ now to the, to the cross Jesus would give up the ghost and he would die. And then the Lord would be taken from that cross and placed in the tomb. And that tomb would be sealed with the stone. And, and Jesus was gone. And so the last thing for Peter before the death of his Savior was his failure. He had so failed miserably the very one that he loved. And now, because Jesus has died, it can never be made right. That's where we leave Peter. That's the background. Now we come to the Gospel of Mark chapter 16 in that statement in verse number 17. Go tell his disciples and Peter. Uh, that's a wonderful, marvelous thought as you consider the context. It's a picture of Christ's forgiving his triumphant love. I want to, to just build upon that thought here tonight just a little bit. Go tell his disciples and Peter. And with that statement, go tell Peter. It's an illustration of the depth of the love of Jesus Christ. Now that sin of Peter was deep. But it's a testimony that Christ's love for Peter was even deeper than the sin. Can we really comprehend here tonight that Jesus loves sinners? Aren't you thankful for that tonight? He loves sinners. And it's very clear here in the Word of God that the greater the sin, the more that that love is often manifest. I want you to go forward to the Gospel of Luke for just a moment to chapter 15. We have in Luke chapter 15 uh, the story of, of lostness, the story of sinners, the story of the pursuit of the love of the Lord for sinners. And in Luke chapter 15, verse number 1, Then drew near unto him, to Jesus Christ, all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. It's kind of interesting that it was the sinners that sought the Lord Jesus Christ. It was not the religious leaders. Verse 2, the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. See, the Lord Jesus Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost, and that is so well illustrated and portrayed for us throughout the Gospels. In John chapter 4, there was the woman at the well. 
and he must needs go through Samaria. There's a Samaritan woman that has lived her life in sin. She's been married five times. She's now living in a sinful relationship. And the Lord specifically goes to that town in Samaria to meet that woman because here's a woman that is seeking. Here's a woman that needs answers. Here's a woman that that day found the living water. That's the depths of the love of Jesus for sinners. We have in John chapter 8 the story of the woman taken in the very act of adultery. And here the Lord deals with her and the Lord takes her where she is, but He doesn't leave her where she was. He says, go and sin no more. He changed her heart. Uh, we have in Luke chapter 19 the story of Zacchaeus, the wee little man. Uh, he was known as a sinner. And the Lord Jesus Christ called him down from that sycamore tree and said, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house today. And there was a, a repentance. There was a change of heart that came over Zacchaeus when he met the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the Lord pursued him. Uh, of course, we have in the Bible the story of Saul of Tarsus. We have Saul that has been present at the murder of Christians and present when Stephen is stoned. And here's Saul that is sunk into the depths of sin, hating Christ, hating Christianity, kicking against the pricks, as the Lord Jesus Christ says. Uh, but in the brightness of the fullness of Christ, he comes and appears to Saul of Tarsus. And he manifests that wonderful, redeeming love to Saul. Look in Luke chapter 15. And this is kind of a beautiful picture of what happened with Peter. Look in verse 3. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he called to gather his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which, have no, uh, which need no repentance. And I realize that Peter prior to this time is, has already been redeemed. He already knows the Lord as his Savior. Uh, but he's miserably failed at this point. And uh, Peter is like that lost sheep that has gone into the wilderness. And so when the Lord says, go tell Peter. Uh, he's seeking that lost sheep. It's like the Lord is going into the wilderness and Peter has gone astray. Go tell Peter, he says to the women. Go get Peter. I'm not through with Peter. I'm not done with Peter. I still love Peter and Peter's failed me, but I still love Peter. I still have plans for Peter. I'm still going to use Peter in a great way. I still love him. And then we go on in Luke chapter 15. There's the prodigal son. And we might say that Peter was the prodigal. You see, in his denial, he's gone into the far country. And Peter, those days of misery, he's in the hog pen. And there in that hog pen, it's a horrible time for him. You see, sin will take you further than you want to go. And that's what it did for Peter. Peter did not know the depths that he could fall into. And he fell into that denial, swearing, cursing. I don't know the Lord, denying the Lord, lying that he even knew the Lord and failing so miserably. And yet the Lord loved him. And never let go of him. Do we really comprehend that love? I want you to go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We call this the love chapter of the Bible. And those words, go tell Peter, such an illustration for us of what we read about love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. As the Lord describes love, listen to this, apply this to the life of Peter, charity Verse 4, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, Charity suffereth long, 
Is not that what the Lord is doing with Peter? And is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity bondeth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Look at this, and does this apply to Peter? Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. Do we comprehend the depth of this love that would pursue Peter, even after Peter miserably failed? It's kind of like the Lord said to Israel, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. And so it is with the Lord. And if you know the Lord, it's an everlasting love. Now Peter thought that he had broken the bonds of that love, but nothing can break the bonds of that love. Peter had said, I am not one of his. I don't belong to him. I don't know him. And must have been in the heart of Peter. Perhaps Christ would take that to heart and disown Peter as well. But no. The Lord would never disown his own. See, Christ's love was unaffected. Uh, Christ's love persisted despite Peter's failure. Understand here tonight that sin is damaging. Sin is hurtful. Sin is painful. But one thing sin can never do. It can never make Christ stop loving you. So go tell Peter. I think this is a testimony of the depths of the Lord and his love. See, the Lord must let Peter know. Go tell Peter. Uh, The last thing Peter had seen of the Lord was that glance. Peter knowing his failure. But now the Lord is calling Peter back. Illustration of the depth of his love. But I want to look at this in another light. It's an illustration really of the individuality of his love, the singleness of his love. See, the Lord loves the world. We understand that. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and he died on the cross for all. And from the cross he spoke, Father, as he looked out over the multitudes, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And we understand that love for the Lord, and it's a love for each and every individual. But I want you to understand here, and this is so clear, go tell Peter, uh, it's a love that's directed to individuals. It's to you. It's to me. See, Peter needs that assurance right now. And so the Lord singled out Peter, and he does that. He speaks to us, as individuals and he calls us as individuals and he deals with our individual sin see Peter desperately needed the Lord's forgiveness he needed that assurance he needed restoration he needed to know that the Lord still cared for him and God deals with us on individual levels and you'll see this throughout the Word of God You see, there are times in wrestling with the Lord. Jacob in Genesis chapter 32 wrestled with the Lord. This time that Jacob had to spend with the Lord, it was just Jacob and the Lord alone. 
And there was a time where Moses had to go alone to the top of the mountain. Joshua could only go so far with him. And Moses had to go alone to the top of the mountain. And we find in the book of Acts chapter 27 as there is a storm at sea. And uh, there is no hope that they should be saved. And the Bible tells us that Paul went alone down below the deck of that ship. And there alone with the Lord, Paul was dealt with by the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord gave uh, unto Paul assurance that he... He was with them and would protect them. And and so it takes place on an individual level. Go tell Peter. It's a testimony. Peter needs me right now. Peter is called to me right now. I love Peter. I'm not through with Peter. I'm dealing with Peter and the heart of Peter specifically. Aren't you thankful that God does that to you? See, salvation takes place on an individual level. Your parents can't be saved for you. I wished every one of us, every person that I preached to, I wish that we get saved. But I can't save people. Jesus is the Savior. He deals with us on an individual level. Here is in the case of Peter's sin has to be dealt with on an individual level. Now, Peter's sin was against Christ. And all of our sin is against God. So Peter had to deal with Jesus alone uh, to get this right. Uh, He couldn't brush his sin aside. We so often, we're guilty of this. We we want to brush sin aside. We want to cover over sin. And uh, there's the guilt, there's There's the shame of that sin and and we want to just move forward and act as if nothing happened. But friend, we can't move forward until we deal with the Lord. And it's so important for us to deal directly with Jesus Christ as we deal with that sin. And there's that individuality of His love as the Lord deals with us on that individual basis. And then that brings us here to, as you follow this story, is the pursuit of His love. We've already alluded to the, the sheep, that one sheep, that one that left the fold, The one that went out into the wilderness. The one that went out into the cold. Out into the danger. Out into the desert. We saw that the good shepherd would go after that one. He would leave the ninety and nine. He would go after that one. And that's what the Lord did. It was Christ that reached to Peter. Go tell Peter. See, it's Jesus. He always makes the first step. Do you realize that? Adam, where art thou? It was God that took the first step. Adam hid. But it was the Lord that pursued Adam. It's always God that takes that step. It's the Lord that went into the wilderness to pursue the sheep. See, it's the Lord that came and left the glory of heaven, came into this world to seek and to save that which is lost. What a marvelous thing as you think about this, that pursuit of Christ's love. Now we've already mentioned, there was that look there at the the denial. And the Lord looked upon Peter, and Peter then thought about what the Lord had said. The Lord uh, said, Peter, this night before the cock crow twice, you're going to deny me thrice. And as the Lord looked at Peter, there was that look, and that look brought conviction, that look pierced deeply. And, you know, sometimes that's what happens when we are in sin. Uh, You open up the Bible, and sometimes you don't want, you're in sin, you don't want to go to the Bible. 
Or sometimes you're in sin, you don't want to come to church because you're afraid of that look of the Lord and that look pierces deeply. Doesn't the Word of God cut and convicts, brings conviction and sometimes in church, preacher, who told you what I was doing this week? And I can say, nobody told me, amen. Uh, and uh, we're coming and we need it at that point. And this look of Peter, uh, that look of the Lord toward Peter brought deep conviction, but that's the pursuit, that's the love that looked deeply into Peter's heart. But next to Peter came this very special message. This message just for Peter. How many times the Lord has done something special just for me? Did you ever fail? And the Lord just sends to you a special token that He's not done. That He still loves you. He still cares. Did you ever fail and then somebody sends you a message? Hey, Pastor, I'm praying for you. Just lifting you to the Lord. That's kind of what the Lord is doing here just for Peter, just to assure him of his love. And the Lord sometimes does that for us. So we have that, that look after the denial. Here's the message to the women. Go tell Peter, just for Peter. But then as you follow this, we have the Lord's appearance to Peter. Do you realize soon after this message to Peter, the Lord appeared to Peter? And it was just Peter and the Lord. Let me show you this. Go to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. Another account of the resurrection. And in Luke chapter 24, we, we know this story here of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus and how the Lord appeared to them and they recognized the Lord when he broke the bread in their midst. And, and then they, they ran back to Jerusalem. They went back to Jerusalem. They had to tell the disciples. And, and I want you to look here, Luke 24 and verse number 34. And here they, <laughs> they come, verse 33 and they arose up the same hour, returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them, saying, notice this, the Lord is risen in the deed and hath appeared to Simon. So not only does the Lord tell these women, go tell Peter, but now uh, sometime before this uh, appearance in the upper room that night with all the disciples, the Lord appeared individually to Peter in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 5, said he was seen of Cephas, that's Peter, then of the twelve. See, it was a time, it was just Peter and Jesus, just the two of them. Now, the Bible is, is very silent on what transpired in that meeting. All we know is that the Lord met with Peter. And we don't know what the conversation was. And to me, it's almost like it's, it's sacred ground right there. And I say it's sacred ground because it's Peter doing business with the Lord. It's Peter having miserably failed now pouring his heart out to the Lord Jesus Christ. I think it's Peter that is weeping before the Lord. I think it's Peter that is saying, Lord, I'm so sorry. I said I would never deny you. I did the very thing that I said I would never do. Lord, I, I failed you so miserably. And Lord, when you needed me most, I slept there in the garden. I had no concept of what was about to happen. And Lord, I failed you so miserably. Lord, would you forgive me? I'm so sorry. 
And I think in that meeting, the Lord would have put his arms around Peter. Said, Peter, it's okay. I forgive you. It's not over. I'm still in charge. I'm alive. We don't know the details of that meeting. That's just kind of what I pictured. I think it's sacred ground because you see, that's how the Lord deals with us. When your sin is against the Lord, it's the Lord and you that have to do business. It's not anybody else's business. I failed the Lord. It's between the Lord and I. We got to get it right. I've got to get it right. He's right. I'm not. I've got to get back to where he is. I'm the one that left him. He never left me. And I think this is what is happening on this sacred holy ground as the Lord appears to Peter. Go tell Peter. Said the Lord wants to meet with him. Now I, I thought about how sin has to be dealt with before we can move forward. This had a profound effect upon me. There was a former pastor of mine Really a, a, a neat man. I loved him dearly. And he was saved out of a life of alcohol uh, in a church service. And I remember him giving his testimony in that church service. His wife had been saved already. He had come under conviction. She was attending a, a Baptist church. And, and he uh, just, life messed up. And he knew something was wrong. And he went to a church service. And at that church service, God began to break his heart and had already been breaking his heart. And the Lord dealt with his heart in that church service. This is your last opportunity. I still remember him giving that testimony. This is your last opportunity to be saved. And he said, I, I held on to the pew. And he said, I was so scared. I was under deep conviction. And he said, the pastor said, I feel there's somebody here tonight that needs to get saved. I think there's somebody here tonight that God is dealing with. And he's giving you another opportunity. He says, I knew that was me. That was me. And he said they extended one verse, two verses, seven verses. And he said after seven verses, he said, God just gave me grace and I went forward and I was dealt with and I was gloriously saved. And he told that testimony. But he said a month after I was saved, some old friends came around, old drinking buddies. Just one drink, they said. And it never works that way. It led to another and to another and then to drunkenness. And I don't know if I have this detail quite right. I know I'm pretty close. I think it was on the fairgrounds. And he said, of all people, there I took that fall. And of all people, coming to the fairgrounds right there to see me was my pastor. And here's my pastor. I failed. And he said, all I could do was weep. But he said, that's what it took. It broke me. And from that point, never touched another drop. Of alcohol. God delivered me. The Lord wrapped his arms of love about me and he tells the story of just having to get alone with Jesus, just he and the Lord, and getting that right with the Lord and the Lord washing him 
and cleansing him. I think that's what happened to Peter that night. See, Peter, before he could move forward, had to know the forgiveness of the Lord. Now, I want you to turn forward, and we kind of dealt with this a few weeks back, but go to John chapter 21. And finally, we have his public restoration. Now, remember, Peter's sin is against the Lord. And here's the principle. Sin against the Lord has to be confessed to the Lord, but there was the public nature of his sin because Peter had denied in front of other apostles, and his has now become public, and it's known of the others. And so not only did the Lord deal with Peter that first day of the resurrection on an individual basis, but now uh, we have at a later time in Galilee as Peter has gone fishing, uh, the Lord deals in a public manner of restoration with Peter. And we come to chapter 21, John chapter 21, verse number 15. John 21, verse number 15, And when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon, or to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? He said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. And we know the Lord, our Peter had denied the Lord three times. And so three times, I think, specifically, uh, the Lord deals with Peter here publicly before the other apostles. Uh, Simon, do you love me? And, and I believe this is Peter's uh, call and restoration as the senior pastor. And of course, we know it was Peter on the day of Pentecost that preached and 3,000 were saved. And what a restoration the Lord gave to Peter. So do you understand why those words are so important in the Gospel of Mark? Go tell his disciples and Peter. And you might insert your name right there. It would show the depths of Christ's love and really the individuality of his love towards you and that pursuit of Christ's love. Maybe you have failed or lost touch with Christ and you haven't broken the bond of his love for you. You may feel you have, but you haven't. That bond can never be broken. If you know him, he's loved you with an everlasting love and he pursues you to restore you. He pursues you uh, to bring you to that point. I, I would say this. I think Peter loved the Lord more deeply after his failure than before his failure. I, I think Peter realized after his failure the very depravity of his own sin nature, the very depths to which he could fall. I think Peter realized from this point that I need the Lord. I need his power. I need his touch. I can't do this on my own. Lord, I will never deny you. But now Peter knows, Lord, I can deny you. I need your grace. I need your strength. I think there was a greater dependence by Peter upon the Lord from this day forward. You know, isn't that so precious that the Lord can even take our failure, our sin, and work it all together for his good. How gracious he is. Lord, thank you. For this statement, go tell 